Hey, welcome back to Nuance Podcast. It's your girl, AZ Truly. I am back with another banger. I don't even know what that means, but I know all the kids on YouTube are saying it. So, you know, I thought I was shooting my shot. So glad you guys decided to come back. Happy New Year, friends. 2020, we made it. Um, 2019 had its rough and rocky parts, but uh, we made it. I said that last year, I said, hey, I'm going to do a podcast so I can do a wrap up of all the things that have happened in 2019. But you know what? I was lazy and I was drunk, so I didn't do that. Um, But I will say that, you know, 2019, it was cool. We lived, okay? We lived through 2019. It was some terrible things that went on. Pops died. Donald Trump was still alive. Um, I still didn't find a steady job or income. But I moved to L.A. So (laughs) there's that. And that's where I'm reporting live from right now. You know the business. I'm in my car, that Lex Luger. And I decided that it would be a treat. To get into a few things with you. Now, I will do a trigger warning. This episode is not going to be... It's not going to be that light, okay? I'm just going to touch on a few heavy subjects. And if you already, if you barely made it to 2020, you might want to, you know, maybe pop your uh, medication, aka hit a blunt, have a drink. And get into the new episode of the New Arts, New Arts, New Arts Podcast. right, first things first, let's get into R. Kelly. I am so tired of this nigga. I am so tired. Ain't y'all niggas tired? R. Kelly, I don't know if you've seen... The survive the the famous the infamous surviving R Kelly documentary. Oh Lord! Okay, so for those of you who have been living under a rock, last year Lifetime dropped Surviving R Kelly Part One, and it had everybody on that thing. Everybody it had. Like, 10 women who had been sexually assaulted by R. Kelly, who had met him when they were under the age of 18, some as young as 11 and 12, 13. Uh, We found out that Sparkle's niece was a victim of this whole fucking sex trafficking children. Just whatever you want to call it, she was a part of it. She was a part of the R. Kelly sexual assault ring, okay? Um, Sparkle brought her niece around R. Kelly for whatever the fuck reason. And R. Kelly was R. Kelly, all right? He was R. Kelly. Uh, we found out that R. Kelly liked to, for some reason, lock women into rooms for days at a time without feeding them. Didn't allow them to talk to other people. Uh, kept people in garages, um, used mental and physical abuse to uh, manipulate children. 
and he was all around a bad person. Um, yet somehow in 2019, we still had your hotel ass uncle saying, but why the reason why they wanted R. Kelly, that is all a setup because he was trying to buy Nick Jr. No, he was not. He wasn't trying to buy shit. Okay. R. Kelly was raping all of Chicago in front of the Chicago police department and nobody was doing a goddamn thing. We sat around and watched R. Kelly piss on on a fucking little girl. And myself included, even though I was very, very young, was laughing at Dave Chappelle's pee on you parody. And if you're too young and you don't know what I'm talking about, then just get don't even listen to this. OK, you don't deserve to know that. In the fucking year 2004, we all was watching Dave Chappelle make a parody called Piss on You. And we was all laughing. Like, we thought all that shit was a joke. When in actuality, we all watched a video of R. Kelly pissing on a 13-year-old girl. 13! But, uh, but but you know how that go, right? So I was thinking about, damn, like, what has really changed? Why were we so insensitive to sexual assault, rape culture, and just all around just, just, ugh, how, how did we, how did we miss, not that how did we miss it, but how were we so insensitive to it? And I thought about when I was in, I feel like the music has a lot to do with it, right? I hate to be that nigga. Like, I don't want to be fucking uh, Barbara Bush about it. But the music really played a role in shaping in my life, shaping how I looked at relationships between younger women and older older men i remember being in elementary school and i think the name of this group was another bad creation and um my 28 and up folks might know exactly what i'm talking about um another bad creation and if i can recall if i'm correct it was a song called like playground or it wasn't Aisha. I can't remember what the name of the song was. But that it was kids on the playground literally pussy popping. And when I say pussy, I mean like working the fuck out of their backs. It was little girls twerking. It was little boys all behind them. Like, and that was what I saw as a kid. It was like we as black children were so hypersexualized and nobody was trying to hide that shit not one person nobody was trying to hide that then I remember as I got older which I wasn't even I was still in elementary school when Aaliyah dropped age ain't nothing but a number and I think that had to be maybe 94 was it 94 95 I'm just I'm just throwing random years out there but it was somewhere between 92 and 94 and AJ nothing but a number dropped and I remember being like 
age ain't nothing but a number okay this is me in elementary school like all right if a grown-ass man want to want to holler at me that's my prerogative okay it made me feel like i was grown as shit not only that i was listening to immature and if you don't know who immature who, who immature is just uh, let me let grandmama explain to you immature was a boy band that came out in the early late 90s and um it had batman romeo aldb a lot of you might know batman as uh marcus houston um and immature y'all they were like seven or eight and they were singing about all types of nasty stuff they was talking about having sex being in love romance all type of stuff it was kind of like a jackson five feel except they had their shirts off these are chill <laughs> these are literally children with their shirts off chris stokes is a name that you should remember and keep this man away from your children chris Chris Stokes was the man behind Immature. And for some reason, it never occurred to anyone around me that this shit was inappropriate. I wore a t-shirt in the either fifth or the sixth grade because Immature was my first concert. I wore a t-shirt where Immature, they had their pants at their fucking ankles. Like that was the thing. To literally drop your pants on stage. These are boys under 18. Obviously, sex sells, but when I say under 18, I mean like 13. Sex fucking sells, and you had Chris Stokes promoting all the weird shit. So I, I'm saying this to say that the 90s were a really fucking weird time to be a kid and to be figuring out your sexuality. I remember being in elementary school and there was this girl. She probably don't even listen to this podcast and I can just say her name. Let's just let's call her Lavinia because that was her name. I remember in sixth grade, she was like fully fucking developed. Okay, she had the finger waves because people wanted finger waves. Like, I'm from Memphis. I don't know if you know that. I'm from Memphis. People wanted fucking finger waves. They was fly as shit. She had the little, the little, uh, Nike tights. Her mom used to let her wear, like, the brown lipstick and the lip liner, the black lip liner. Like, she used to be able to do whatever the fuck she wanted to do. And I remember that, my teachers in elementary school used to let her eat lunch with them like just because she was developed and her body looked the way it did they let her fucking chill with them like everybody was so jealous of her because they treated her like an adult and i do remember her getting picked up by niggas in elementary school and nobody literally nobody blinked a fucking I about it not one person it was just like it was normal like if you looked apart the then nobody questioned nobody questioned anything it's it it it, it was like mind-blowing but when I look back on it it's like that was a part of the culture right like it was so like 
sexually obsessed there was no balance so much so that in a, as an elementary schooler i could cut on the tv i cut on the box which that's another throwback i am aging myself i don't give a fuck i cut on the box and i can see kids that look like me literally grinding on each other so that type of climate it's it set the stage for somebody like r kelly it really did that's why he was able to put out a full album called aj nothing but a number with a 14 year old girl with him cre- have you seen the cover of aj nothing but a number my nigga have you seen the cover listen why are you listening to this pull that shit up because i want you to see it. r kelly is literally in the background creeping on Aaliyah creeping on Aaliyah and I remember that when they got married nobody talked about arresting him or that Aaliyah was a victim nobody talked about that people were just like oh damn like Aaliyah's with R. Kelly and what like it wasn't there was nothing taboo about it nobody wanted to protect Aaliyah not to mention where was Aaliyah's mammy that, that always makes me so uncomfortable because Aaliyah's family does not talk about it. Like, they don't step up and say, yes, R. Kelly was this, R. Kelly was that, because they were a part of it. R. Ke- R. Kelly, not R. Kelly, Aaliyah's uncle was her manager. So he was around for all the shit. And no, nobody said a mumbling, a mumbling word. So once I saw the first part of the R. Kelly documentary, I wrote a little something and I want you to listen to it. And and again, trigger warning. Okay. Trigger fucking warning. This R. Kelly thing really has me reflecting on what it was like to be in middle school and high school. Go ahead, throw elementary school in there too. Countless adult men trying to figure out a way to take advantage was a normal thing. In middle school, me and my friend told our favorite uh, uh, principal about the orchestra teacher having an inappropriate relationship with one of our students. Keep in mind, we are in seventh grade and she literally made us feel like shit for even mentioning it. That's when I was reminded that nobody gave a fuck about us. That same year, one of my counselors at my after-school care suggested me and some of my friends play true for dare with him. Of course, that ended with him showing us his dick. My last year of high school, I ended up dating one of my after-school counselors. Now, I don't know if you guys realize that there is a pattern there. These are men and women who are supposed to be protecting teaching and guiding okay all end up dating me what the fuck how why my last year of high school i end up dating one of my after school counselors now this was a counselor i had at the boys and girls club yes the boys and girls club and later i found out he had gotten one of my ninth grade classmates pregnant now keep in mind this man was old enough to buy liquor so as i recall he was either 22 or 23 i was in high school so i was about 16 uh 16 maybe 17 just turning 17 my classmate was in the ninth grade and she was 14 
he got her pregnant. He cheated on a high school student with a ninth grader at 22, worked at the Boys and Girls Club. No one ever blinked the eye. And I have so many other stories like that. I've had teachers when I was in high school mention what they would do to me after I graduated. We have never been safe. We have never been safe. And I have so many friends with those same stories. And with with that type of narrative going on around me, I look back now, I'm like, duh, of course I would think that, you know, watching this fucking child dance to Backstreet Boys and get pissed on by R. Kelly, of course I would think, oh, that's what she wanted. Or somehow it was her fault for being in a position where R. Kelly could prey on her absolutely so fucking bizarre so bizarre and the fact that r kelly had this duality where he was on the space jam soundtrack space jam was my fucking shit we all love space jam as kids so then as a kid you looking at this man as obviously he is on tv he's on the radio michael jordan must like him michael jordan's great right then R. Kelly must be, everything he must be doing has to be okay. And the fact that he had all the money to pay off all the people, like, it, the shit just really blew my mind. So, if I thought part one was a fucking shit show, part two, oh my God, part two was absolutely disgusting all right so then we tune in to part two of surviving r kelly just when i thought it couldn't get worse somehow it continuously gets worse and worse we learn a little bit more about r kelly during the part two docuseries keep in mind it's hella episodes it's like it's a five-parter of part two that this nigga has harassed rape beaten sexually assaulted so many women that this this guy had five part series oh my god first woman being tiffany hawkins who at 15 meets r kelly at school because she wants to be a singer has a beautiful voice she meets him he he embraces her from her story you know she had a rough upbringing which is the kind of woman that he absolutely now i i say woman girl child the kind of children that he seeks out are these children who have a rough upbringing they might have been molested within their homes they have experienced trauma violence whatever so he meets her at the school brings her back to the studio lets her lay down a few tracks pretends to be this big brother little sister thing all the while calling her his cable girl because she hooked him up with several of her 15 year old friends so dozens of 15 year olds were being brought back to the studio and r kelly would have sex with them some of them more than some sometimes he would have sex with multiple 15 year olds in one day in front of her in front of her 
This lady was in the Age Ain't Nothing But a Number video. She did background vocals for Aaliyah. It's just, it's so, so mind-blowing. Not only was R. Kelly doing this to so many black children in Chicago, everybody knew about it, and he didn't have to hide it. He didn't have to hide it. He had these girls in the video. He had underage girls dancing for him on his tour. He was surrounded by underage women. And what did not make sense to me in the part two is that his security guard and shit was in it. And they just nonchalantly was talking about how these girls would spend a night at the studio. And nobody stepped up and said anything. Nobody said anything. One of his sound engineers who worked with R. Kelly during the time that he was going to trial uh, for the sexual battery of a child says that the same girl that was in the the infamous tape that we all saw was living in his garage. Was living in this man's garage. The sound engineer says that he brought a birthday cake to this girl for her 21st birthday. She celebrated her 21st birthday in the fucking garage of R. Kelly. Do you remember on part one, Dominique Gardner? She was the one that he made cut off all her hair, made her dress uh, pretty boyish, and would call call her his uh his little boy or whatever kind of weird shit he was into. She was also on the documentary of part two because part one, remember, she actually got saved. Like her her mother, like had to rescue her, had to go in like a fucking mission to rescue her daughter and she came back said a few words they were they were asking her about what life was like living with him and you know sometimes he would lock them up for days at a time not feed them there were rules that they had to follow if they didn't follow those rules he would uh, hit them he would it it was just so mind-blowing there were at least 48 women that they know about who were around R. Kelly and victims of R. Kelly during this time. And what was even scarier is that there were lawyers, there were doctors, there were so many people involved in keeping this a secret and covering it. And the only thing it took was money. That's the only thing it took. All it took was a couple of bucks and these girls were sold to the highest bidder. And it was always fucking R. Kelly. So, so devastating. And what also really made me sick about part two of the surviving R. Kelly documentary is that there was these two fucking stringy head white women 
who worked for him for a short period of time. Apparently, they worked for him during the time that um, Dominique Gardner was there. During the time uh, some of the other women, other girls were living there. And all they had to say, these two white women who worked for him, all they had to say was, um, everybody had a choice. These are children! It was so, it made me so fucking sick because right now and in, in, in the time that we live in knowing who white women have voted for knowing how a lot of black men feel about black women and girls for them to team up it was just like the most evil fucking thing i've ever seen it was so evil so so evil so i if you have the stomach for it i would tell you to go check it out it's a lot it's a lot it's a whole lot there there was there was conversation of the women that r kelly had abused since they since they were children then abusing other children that he brought into the mix it was conversation of r kelly forcing one of the women that he was dealing with to sexually assault her own niece like it it will turn your stomach it will turn actually don't even watch it you just get all the information from me just know that every time every time you listen to one of r kelly's songs you are putting money back into the pocket of the same man who has been paying off all of Chicago, all of Chicago to assault, rape, victimize little girls. So you can't in the same breath say, oh, I care about sex trafficking. Oh, no, be careful when you in the Uber. Oh, no, this, that, and the other. And you still listen to Step in the Name of Love. I want you to think about that. Anytime you think you want to hear AJ number the number, but hey, keep in mind, R. Kelly got fucking bops and he got hits. And there's no way that you cannot listen to things that he had a hand in because he had a hand in all the music from Whitney Houston to Michael Jackson, TLC, like everybody. But the least you can do, the least you can do is mute r kelly's music do better if you or somebody you know has experienced sexual assault there is help out there you can reach out to the national sexual assault hotline call 800-656-4673 that's 800-656-4673 Four six seven three. You'll be connected with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area. You do not have to suffer in silence. If you can't talk to anybody around you, if you don't have friends and family that you can reach out to, please contact the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline. Get help.